Uh, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life, life was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith, for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, friends, please feel free to take notes. Have your Bibles open. Um, great to, it's good to take notes, isn't it? Because it's a, we've got half an hour or so to study God's Word, so let's make the most of it. How about I pray for us before we launch in this point? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who is not far off. We thank you that you've revealed yourself clearly to us through the work and person of your dear Son. We ask now to help us to understand what you have to tell us in this part of Scripture. Help us to be obedient. Help us to be trusted. Help us to change the way that we live so that we live in the way that you want us to live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so Romans 1, 1 to 6. So just a bit of intro. Uh, at church at the moment, we're at the Evangelical Church. We're doing what we call biblical theology. And that is simply a discipline where we're tracing the themes of God from Genesis through to uh, Revelation, so creation through to new creation. This talk I gave was the first talk in that, which summarises the whole Bible. Uh, so it's the main point. That's what we're talking about today. The main point of the Bible. What is the main point? Uh, I have four children, as Cody said. And by the way, Cody, you're on holidays. Why are you here? You're back. When are you back? Right. When are you back? Today. You're back today? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, welcome back to work. Um, so my youngest, Elliot, was in a children's university program at high school. So in year six, they visited university and for a day. They had to take a parent, so I went along as well. And at the Newcastle University, we visited a number of different departments, and we went to the psychology department. And they showed us an awareness test. So we'll do that now. Coming through these speakers. The answer is thirteen. But did you see the moonwalking bear? Who saw the bear? No. 
Yeah. 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 Oh, you said before, it's a cheat. <laughs> <laughs> the first time you saw it, did you see the video? No. Yeah. Uh, there's only one person I've known so far who's actually seen the Moonwalking Bear the first time I've seen it. Michael Bottles, is it? And the point is oh, that if we're looking for the wrong thing or focus on the wrong thing or focus on one thing, we'll miss something else. And that's why I want to use this, this illustration. Uh, it's important for us to be focusing on the right thing. If we focus on the wrong thing, we'll miss the main point. When it comes to the Bible, there's many things in the Bible. It's important for us to be focusing on the right thing when we come to the Bible, otherwise we'll miss the main point. If we come to the Bible focused on the wrong thing, we might as well completely something completely different. We'll miss the main point. And missing the main point of the Bible, at worst, may lead you to creating your own idea of Jesus. It'll take you away from the truth and you'll believe a lie. At best, missing the main point of the Bible may lead you to a lack of assurance of your salvation or an unhealthy focus on side issues, which will then lead to conflict with other believers as to what the Bible is all about. So our job as readers of God's Word is to allow the Bible to tell us what the main point is. We must do that so that we can correctly understand and apply God's Word to our life. And this is an ongoing process. The more we read the Bible, the more we work out what the main point is. And the more clarity we get on the main point, the more we understand what God is telling us. So today I'm going to be showing you two things. I'm going to be showing you that the main point of the Bible is all about the Gospel. And I will be showing you that the Gospel must also be the main point of everything that we do. And we so what is the gospel? 30 seconds questions, talk to your friends. What is the gospel? It is the good news, but if the gospel is the gospel of the days, what is it? Yeah. 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 And when Jesus came, he said that he came preaching the gospel. The kingdom of God was What are some of your answers? What is the gospel? What do people say? What did your neighbour say? What is the gospel? The good news. The truth. The truth? Yeah. This is bad news. Bad news. Don't let this come. So it is good news. Uh, Jesus is Lord that saves. Yep. Uh, it's important for us to understand what the gospel is and what the gospel is not. Otherwise, just like the awareness test, we will fail to see and understand what God wants us to see and understand. So, uh, the word gospel by definition does mean good news. For example, if you were victorious over another nation at war, the good news was called the gospel. The gospel was proclaimed. We are victorious over our enemies. There will be a march, a, a procession down the main street. And you're about to see that the nation has won because the prisoners of war will be at the end of the parade. That is the gospel. 
the announcement that we have won. That's the good news. But of course, the gospel then is not good news for those who are defeated. It's actually bad news for them. Now, in Romans chapter 1, verse 1 and 6, we get an idea of what the gospel is. And the first thing we notice in Romans is that the gospel is God's good news. Have a look at verse 1. Paul, the servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. The Bible is God proclaiming his good news. The gospel in the Bible is fundamentally God's work. Now this means the good news in the Bible is not our work, but God's work. We are not the subject of the gospel. We don't do the gospel. We are the object of the gospel. The gospel works on us. We are not the author of the gospel. God is the author of the gospel. And the gospel is the work God does in us. This means God's gospel deals with the problems God sees, not necessarily the problems that we think are problems. This means God's gospel provides his solution, not our solution. This means God's gospel answers the questions God is asking and not necessarily the questions we are asking. See, God's gospel is not primarily about my needs. It's not primarily about how I can perceive my issues and my struggles, how I can live a better life. The gospel is not primarily about how I can overcome my house or how I can make sense of my existence. The gospel is primarily about him and not about us. Now, this is a huge point because naturally in our world today, we grow up in Western individualism thinking that, no, 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 life is all about who? Me. I determine the rules of my life. I decide what I do in my life. If I have enough belief, I can do anything, even if I haven't got the qualifications for it. It's all about me, me, me. And we can transfer this in the church. So it's my gospel. It's all about me, not Jesus. It's about me. It's about me serving, not Jesus. So it's important to understand that this gospel in the Bible is God's gospel. Fundamental, but so important. If we treat the gospel as my gospel, then this gospel is not good news for us. God is our loving maker. The problems that he sees, the solutions that he provides us, and the questions that he answers are the problems, solutions and answers we need to address. So it's the first thing. God's gospel, he sets the agenda, we need to fall in line with him, and he doesn't have to fall in line with us. Make sense? Awesome. Second thing. The second thing to notice here is that the whole Bible is about God's good news. And look at verse 2. It's the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Let me show you one or two other passages. Have a look at uh, Galatians chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 12. Uh, so, uh, Apostle Paul writes to the church in Galatia, chapter 3, verse 8. Scripture foresaw that God would justify or declare 
people not guilty, declare that the Gentiles and non-Jews not guilty by trusting in Jesus, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be saved based through you. Quoting Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. God says to Abram, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you are cursed, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. The gospel didn't come when Jesus arrived. Genesis 12, 3. The gospel was proclaimed to Abraham. Uh, have a look at Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, we were there, uh, sorry, who were the, uh, they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all who, those whom Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? Do so you know who he's talking about? Yeah. Uh, Israel, one man in, in, in the desert. Uh, and verse 18, and to whom did God swear they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Thanks, mate. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. See there? The good news, the gospel, was proclaimed to the Israelites as they wandered around in the desert. The good news is in the whole Bible. The whole Bible is about God's good news. And the first glimpse of God's good news is uh, Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. So this is uh, Adam and Eve who rejected God's good words as a part of God's punishment. Uh, and he says this as he talks about the punishment uh, towards the woman. And I'll put enmity or strife or conflict between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Uh, he will crush your head and you will strike his heels. It's talking about the serpent uh, and the offspring of the woman. As uh, the snake it will strike the heel of the offspring of the woman, and the uh, offspring's son will strike or crush the serpent's head. That is the beginning of God's good news for humanity, or the first glimpse at least. God promise, promises his good news in the future to reverse the effects of sin. And God promises good news in the future to fix our broken life and this broken world. That's what Genesis 3 is looking forward to. God's good news in the Old Testament is like a seed that has been planted in the ground. This seed slowly germinates over time. It slowly appears above the ground and it slowly forms leaves as the years go on. And this then leads me to the third point. As this seed continues to grow, the content of the good news is all about Jesus, when Jesus arrives on the scene. Have a look at verse 3 of Romans chapter 1. The gospel we promised beforehand through the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David. We see the fruit, if you like, of the tree of the gospel in Jesus himself. The good news is all about God's son, Jesus of Nazareth. He's a descendant of David, king of Israel. That's who he is, he's king. So this limits the gospel to the Jesus of history. The gospel is about the Jesus of history. This limits God's good news to Jesus recorded in God's word. And not who we think Jesus is stood for, or who we think Jesus is. The content is about this Jesus. Not the Jesus I have in my head, but the real Jesus of history. 
Not the Jesus of my neighbour, but the real Jesus of history. So this is the, shows us the content of God's gospel. And this is so important because there are so many false gospels around us. That's why it's so important for us to gather here week in, week out, to make sure we trust in the real Jesus. If we don't, we are up in trouble. We must trust the right Jesus. Because there are so many different ideas of who Jesus is, or who Jesus was, or who I think he was, or who I, what, I, what I think he did. The only true good news of Jesus is the good news of the historical Jesus in the Bible. With the arrival of Jesus, the seed of God's gospel finally matures into the tree in the person and work of Jesus. And we see this at the start of each of the gospels. How did Matthew chapter 1, verse 1? This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Next one. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the son of God. Lastly, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen this is glory, the glory of the one and only, uh, and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the, uh, the fulfilment of God's gospel. Back to Romans. The fourth point I want to show your attention here in Romans is that the central fact of God's good news is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Verse 4. And through the spirit of holiness was appointed the Son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead. This is why after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus says to his disciples in Luke 24, he said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Next slide. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me and the Lord Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. The fifth point. The fruit of this gospel is salvation to everyone who believes. Have a look at Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now the word righteous means to be right. God tells us our problem is that we are born not being right with God. We are not born being friends with God. We are born being guilty before God. We are born enemies of God. This is the big problem in the world. It's the big problem in our life. This big problem explains our bad experiences and what we see on the television or on the internet. And God addresses this big problem by sending his own son, Jesus. He dies on a cross in our place. When he died on the cross in our place, he was punished instead of us. 
so that we could be forgiven. He died for our crime so that we could be declared not guilty, right when we were not right. Jesus' resurrection shows us that God's good work in Jesus has worked. His death really is good news. For those of us who place our trust in Jesus, we have been declared right when we were not right. Jesus' resurrection shows us the good news of Jesus is our Saviour, but also is our King. Because not only has He saved us, He saved us to be King, or to live with Him as our King, I should say. That's the Gospel. It's God's Gospel. The whole Bible is about God's Gospel. It's about Jesus, the history. And through Jesus, he has made us right for all. If we trust him, we have salvation. So have you accepted God's good news? Have you? Well, you come to church, it's a good start. But have you actually accepted Jesus himself? Your parents might be Christians, but have you made the decision for yourself? The main point of the Bible is God's good news. Jesus died, Jesus rose. He is king. And he died and rose to make us right and we're not right. That is the gospel. Full stop. Got that? Hunky Dory? In order for us to understand then what the God reviews is clearly, we must also understand what the gospel is not. We need to make a distinction between the gospel and the fruit of the gospel. So that helps us understand what the gospel is and what the gospel is not. We need to make a, a distinction between the gospel and the fruit of the gospel, much in the same way we make a distinction between an apple and an apple tree. An apple is not the tree, but an apple is the result of a tree. If you want more and better apples, you do not focus on the apples, but you focus on the tree. You water the tree. You fertilise the tree. And when you do that, you will produce better apples. But if you want better apples, don't focus on the apples. Focus on the tree. I'll flesh this out in two ways. If we want someone to trust in Jesus, we are not to focus on telling them to trust in Jesus. Because trusting in Jesus is a response or a fruit of the gospel. Instead, we are to tell our friends or our children the good news of Jesus. Because the good news of Jesus shows our friends what and who they should trust and why they should trust. See the difference? Subtle difference, but a very, very important difference. We can never make someone trust Jesus, but we can give them the reasons why they should trust Jesus, as we explain the gospel. We cannot tell our children or grandchildren to be followers of Jesus, but we can tell them who Jesus is, what Jesus did, what Jesus will do, and why is he so, and why he, he, he's, he is so important? And secondly, if we want to grow and mature people as Christians, then we are not to focus on our obedience or the work of the Holy Spirit. Because our obedience and the work of the Spirit are fruits of the gospel and not the gospel itself. You see, focusing on our obedience to grow and mature Christians will lead us into legalism. Focusing on obedience will lead us into self-righteousness. Pharisees, 
But instead, we're to focus on God's good news in Jesus as our King and Saviour. That's why we obey, because Jesus is King. We need to have the right motivation to obey and allow Jesus' kingship in the gospel to shape the way we live our life. See, we all desperately want our kids to grow up to know Jesus. So what do we do? Do we force them to come to church? Force them to read the Bible? Force them to pray? And make them memorise the Bible so they can just sort of blurt it out? We need to tell them the gospel lovingly, caringly, gently. That's how our kids can accept Jesus eventually, hopefully. Focusing on the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, which is the same as focusing on living a regenerative life, will lead us to focus on our next experience or next method to try to be perfect. And again, that's not focusing on the gospel. That's focusing on the fruit of the gospel. If we just focus on the next experience, then we've actually missed the gospel. We're to focus on the gospel of Jesus because it's through the gospel of Jesus that the Holy Spirit works. It's through the gospel that we're given new birth. It's through the gospel that we're empowered, that we're prompted, that we're motivated, and that we're directed. Hear the difference? A subtle difference, but a very, very important difference. What do you focus on? The fruit of the gospel or the gospel itself? The experience of the gospel or the actual gospel itself? It's the difference between focusing on the apples and focusing on the tree. If you want to be a mature Christian, don't focus on the fruit. Focus on the gospel. Focus on the truth. Water the truth. In God's good glory. That's how the spirit works. Focus on that and you have good habits. <coughs> the way we grow and mature is to focus on the truth. Are you focusing on the truth? Now, it should be clear now that um, we see what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. And we should be... You know, to understand how the gospel, which is the main point of God's word, should also be the main point of our life. The good news of Jesus is not just the key of, to understand God's good word, but the gospel of Jesus is also the key to unlock the truth of our world and our life. The gospel of Jesus is the ultimate truth of meaning and purpose of life where we're heading, and what we are to expect. Now, the problem is most people are blinded to the truth of God's good news in Jesus. Our world and our society, sometimes even our relatives, friends and peers, will try to discourage us from following the gospel of our Lord Jesus. We may be tempted to water down the gospel of Jesus or change the good news of Jesus, or we may even segregate Jesus to Sunday only or treat Jesus as a hobby. Or just focus on the fruit of the gospel in our life rather than on the gospel itself. Because no one wants to hear the good news of Jesus. But the important thing is that we must keep the main point of the Bible the main point of our life. If God's gospel really is about Jesus of history, then that has to be the main point of our life. Don't worry about the experiences. The experiences will take care of themselves. Focus on the good news of the Lord Jesus. The only way people become Christian is by focusing on the gospel. The only way that we grow as Christians is by focusing on the same thing, God's grace in Jesus. Nothing else. 
Before I finish, I want to explain to you uh, why the word evangelical is used and why it's important. The word evangelical comes from the Latin word evangel, which means gospel. Uh, from what I can gather, the term was first used by Martin Luther many years ago to, re to, to describe what he rediscovered in the Bible. That the main point of the Bible is about the gospel, the evangelical gospel, the news of Jesus. Now, um, the word evangelical has been used in the media over recent months to talk about Pentecostal churches. Uh, so secular journalists, they write about uh, Pentecostal churches and say they're evangelical. I've also met many Christians who think evangelical is Pentecostal. Um, now, before I go on, let me just say my mother's a Pentecostal. I have many friends who are Pentecostals. So this is not a dig at Pentecostalism. This is just to help you understand what these words mean and why it's very, very important. See, I deliberately do not call myself a Pentecostal, even though my mother is, even though I have friends who are. Do you know why? Well, Pentecostalism, the heart of Pentecostalism, is about the day of Pentecost, when God brought out the Spirit onto his people. You see, for Pentecost, it's all about the work of God's Spirit, Jesus' kingship and the Spirit going forth. Friends, that's the fruit of the gospel. That is not the gospel. That's why I call myself an evangelical. That's why Martin Luther did. That's why Calvin did. That's why all the reformers did. Because it's about the tree of the gospel, not about the fruit. Being an evangelical doesn't mean you, you, you don't believe the spirit, because that would be an unbiblical Christian. An evangelical means that Jesus died and rose and the Spirit's been poured out and Jesus is now king. All Protestant churches, if you look at their uh, doctrinal statements, are in fact evangelical. Are you evangelical in your belief? Is the gospel centre stage in your thinking? Or are you tempted to fall into legalism, self-righteousness, or in chasing the domestic next experience to prove that God is something for you? Is your life a demonstration that the gospel is front and centre? Not your work, not your family, not your hobbies, not your career. But can people see by the way you live your life is about the God who believes in Jesus in history? Remember the awareness test? To start, what are you focusing on? What are you focusing on? We must make sure that every generation keeps the gospel of our Lord Jesus the main point in church. Every generation must find the gospel. We must make sure that every generation in our families keeps the gospel of our Lord Jesus the main point in church. We can't just assume that the next pastor that replaces Cody down the track uh, understands the gospel. We can't assume that. As soon as we assume the gospel, we've lost the gospel. We must remain evangelical, not just in that, but also in purpose. So as we read God's word, and as we live out God's word, Let's keep the main point of God's good news in Jesus the main point in life.
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your good news. The good news of you reversing the effects of sin, fixing our broken world and fixing our broken life. Ultimately dealing with the problem of our sin, of our rebellion against you. Father, we thank you that Jesus died for us. That he was perfect, he died for us, bearing our crime, the payment for our time so that we could be declared not guilty when we were guilty. So that we can be declared right when we were not right. So that we can be forgivable. And we think that Jesus rose from the dead and is now King. So Father, we ask that we would accept Jesus as our Saviour and as our King. We ask that in our lives that the Jesus of history would be centre stage. We ask that in our family life, in our work life, even church, that the gospel of Jesus would be centre stage. Guard us from the temptation of moving towards social work instead of preaching the gospel, or focusing on experience instead of preaching the gospel, or focusing on just being a better person instead of preaching the gospel. Help us to focus on your good work, because we know that when your word is open, your spirit is at work. Testify to us about your son Jesus and helping us to testify to others about Jesus as well. We thank you, Father, for your goodness, for your love, your mercy, your compassion to us. We thank you for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.